0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. What we declare out of our mouth about who God is will change the way we look at life, look at our circumstances more importantly, what God declares about us, to us, will change the way we look at our circumstances, and man, there are people in this room, and that are going to be watching online later, that um, there's just a heaviness, there's a heaviness on your life, and you're not alone, there's a heaviness on our nation right now, and the fact that you're feeling it, man, that tells me that you have discernment. So I would tell you this, God's a good father. He loves you. He's with you. He's for you. He's working in your situation. I say this all the time, but God hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't walked away from you. But let's just take a moment and let's just make some declarations. Let's just say God is with me and God is for me. Just say it. Let's just say, Lord, I thank you. That you are with me and you are for me. Let's make this declaration. Lord, I thank you that you're bigger than what I'm going through. Lord, you're bigger than what I'm going through. You're bigger than this struggle. You're bigger than this fight. You are greater. Mm. Let's make this declaration. We fight a defeated enemy. Let's say, Satan, you're defeated. Yeah. He's defeated. You're not fighting from victory. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Jesus has done all the work. He's done all the work for you. Father, I pray for your church. I pray for this moment. I pray right now, Lord, that that walls that are built up, Lord, that people are going through. Lord, I pray that whatever you need to do to Do it, Father, so the ears will be open that when we encounter your word, the living word of God, that that we are transformed. We're transformed, that we walk out of this place more like who you are, a church that is alive, a church that is about your kingdom, a church that's about your gospel, Father. We need you, Holy Spirit, right now. We need you. That's not just something we say. That is a statement of fact. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you to encounter this culture through your church. We need you to encounter our neighbors through us. Oh, God, we need you. Glorify your name in this place. Glorify your name in this church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray, amen, you may be seated. So everything we do is worship, everything we do is worship. We go from worship to worship, so we worship with giving, we worship with, with singing, we worship through the word, we worship. Like sometimes we, we are really guilty of saying, oh that was a good worship service, that was a great worship service, but that was just one aspect, because everything we do as Christians is worship. Like, when you woke up in the morning, you took that breath, first breath awake, that's worship. So uh, it's going to be a good day. We're moving into a time of worship with the Word. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited today. I um, was praying about this chapter. We're looking at a whole chapter, Daniel chapter 3. And um, that's a lot of scripture. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of scripture for this Arkansas boy. Um, But it's going to be a good day. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. It's a a good joke. Amy hasn't approved it yet. But that's okay because she never approves any of my jokes Um, Pastor Andy laughed at it though, but he's a dad. So like, um, I think like dads have to, by, by definition, we have to laugh at each other's dad jokes. It's like a courtesy, but this gentleman, um, he was, um, married and he, he left this world and he went to heaven and, um, when he got up to the gates of heaven, Peter the Apostle Peter standing there. So this is not a theological joke or a doctrinal joke. Okay, I want you to understand. Before you're like, oh, I don't think that's in the Bible. Okay, like, it's a joke. So <laughs> Peter standing there. Is like, well, your name's in the Lamb Book of Life. I just need you to spill a word before I let you in these pearly gates. And this guy was like, all right, what word is that? He said love. He's like, oh, that's easy, L-O-V-E. And he's like, come on in. And so he's walking, and he's like, you know, about about five or six years, seven years go by, and he's walking along by the pearly gates in in heaven, and he sees his wife out there. And he's looking for the Apostle Peter, looking around, and she goes, honey! And he's like, (laughs) like... He pops up. She's like, I saw you. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I can't let you in because you have to spell a word. She's like, okay, what word is it? And he leans forward and he looks for the Apostle Peter. And he keeps looking. Coast is clear. He goes, Czechoslovakia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. Czechoslovakia. I couldn't spell that right now if you paid me, so you're good to go. (laughs) All right. Uh, We're continuing in a series called Identity Crisis, and we've been dealing with issues about Where are identities rooted? And we got to see, in Daniel chapter 1, a man and his three friends, the three Hebrew children, root their identity in who Christ is, or in who God is. They decided in verse 8 of chapter 1, we will not defile ourselves. We refuse to defile ourselves. And because of that, God poured out favor on them. God blessed them. They made a stand against, honestly, injustice? How do we react when, when government is unjust to us? That's, that's the question, because we need to ask these questions. This is, there, there is a lot of injustice in our land right now. And um, the government, they, they, they literally seized thousands, tens of thousands of captives and brought them into a, another nation. And they, then they tried to change their identity Daniel's name was Belshazzar, which is actually, he's named after one of their gods, and the three Hebrew children, their their names got changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is also some of their gods, and so, and then he tried to change what they were consuming, the enemy always likes to go after what we're consuming, they wanted them to eat a different diet, and they said, we will not defile ourselves. And so they rooted their identity in who God said they were. They said, we're Hebrews and we're going to follow God, period. And then in Daniel chapter 2, we talked about how, how Daniel took and uh, he was confronted with the unjust issue. Because someone else's inadequacy to interpret a dream and tell a dream, honestly, it was an impossible request. But Daniel was going to be put to death along with the three Hebrew children. And Daniel says he handled the matter with wisdom and discretion, and they sought God in everything. And so when when we are in Christ, when when we root ourselves in who Christ is, our first response, our greatest response is seeking God. Sometimes as Christians, we treat prayer as a last resort. Man, that should be our only resort. It's the greatest resort. It's the greatest resource. What prayer truly is. I love prayer because I've seen prayer change circumstances. And when we seek God in everything, it will change and it will shift. It will do whatever it needs. God will do whatever he needs to do because he loves to answer the prayers of his people. And Daniel sought the Lord. And God brought an answer. And then he said what God told him to say. And then he gave God credit. And then he got promoted. And in this chapter, we see another injustice. What do we do? As followers of Christ, when injustice comes, I can tell you what we don't do. Like, I, like I'm just going to step on some toes. Is that All right. Can, can I be Ryan Tatham and not have to worry about you guys wanting to lynch me afterwards? Because what I've seen, we need to pray people out of office. You know what the Apostle Paul did when Christianity was outlawed and they were killing Christians? He went and got himself arrested and appealed to Caesar so he could share the gospel with the very man that made the Christianity outlawed? He got himself arrested so he could appeal to Caesar, so he could have a chance to share the gospel with the man who was causing all the havoc for all the Christians. He didn't say, "Okay, church, let's gather around. Um, we're going to have a prayer meeting to pray this man out of power." No, he said, "No, I'm going to get arrested." And I'm gonna share the gospel in prison. I'm gonna share the gospel wherever I go because it doesn't matter who's in office, who's in power, who's the emperor, who's the president, who's whatever. They need Jesus. And we're the church. And that was Paul's approach. And so, what happens in the face of injustice? How do we respond? Because the Bible's very clear about our identity. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Our citizenship is in heaven. First, we're not an American who's a Christian or a Christian who happens to be an American. We're not a Republican that's a Christian or a Democrat that's a Christian or a well, uh, what is it when you're not neither agnostic that's a Christian? <laughs> you're a Christian. First, period. Period. Our identity has got to be rooted in that. I'm not saying you can't have political opinions or anything like I'm not saying that I won't talk to you about politics. I love lively conversations. Believe me, I don't mind making anyone mad. Um, I make Amy mad all the time. Yeah, you didn't have to agree so quickly. But... Let's look, let's look at an unjust decree, and let's see how we should respond. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, People of all race, nations, and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the cither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. That's fun. So, that, so at the sound of musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue of king, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed them on the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You have issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn. Okay, all the instruments. Let's just go. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom have You've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, Your Majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. Um, when, when they were in, or when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, big G, the big G God, whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I want you guys to repeat after me this first little bit go go on but even if he doesn't but even if he doesn't one more time but even if he doesn't that's that's a children's worker uh, preacher right there she gets it That's the title of my message, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, right now, we need to settle in our hearts while everything's good, while everything's kosher, well, well, before everything hits the fan, we need to settle in our hearts, but even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold stature you have set up. Mm. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. They tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw them in in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, everyone needs to say, but suddenly, (laughs) but suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, then we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. I just imagine that these, these guys, these advisors, they're the, they're the butt kissers of the kingdom. Because when, when you see, I can't say that from the pulpit, excuse me. They're the people that really suck up to the king. Um, yes, your majesty. We certainly did. I just, every time I read this, I, I just see them like that. Whatever you want, majesty. You want another cream in your sugar? Or whatever? Coffee? That doesn't make sense. Look Nebuchadnezzar, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, unarmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Some translations say the fourth looks like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high god. Suddenly, He went from what gods will be able to rescue you to suddenly recognizing servants of the Most High God. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Let's keep going. I'll keep going. Then the officers... Officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them, crowded around them, and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. I think it's going to be really cool when God brings some of us through this season that we're in, because each of us are fighting a really bad season. 2020 was a rough year. I'm still processing that year. I'm like, and it's almost 2022. That doesn't make sense, because I'm still in 2020. But it does, like, all this stuff. But, like, what I'm saying is 2020 and 2021 has smacked some of us really hard, but I'm telling you, when God brings you out of it, when God brings you through it, people are going to be crowded around you and saying, how did you make it? What happened? And you're only answer is god god brought me through god was faithful god is with me god was for me and they're going to be amazed they're going to be amazed not a hair like you guys are going to make it out of this and not a hair on your head will be harmed you're going to make it out of this your clothes won't even be affected i'm telling you doesn't mean the weapon won't be used but it won't prosper Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. Suddenly, dude, this guy likes to make decrees. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted. Then the king promoted. God's going to promote you guys when you, when you worship him through, through the trial. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to an even higher position in the province of Babylon. Man, I was reading that last night, and I just got fired up, and I'm going to try not to yell or anything like that. I, I mean, that's not really my MO. I'm... I don't really get all that excited, Um, but I read that, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, I won't. I have three thoughts for you today. We're going to chew them up. I pray that you chew on them all week, so I'm going to talk about our enemy for a moment. So it's hunting season, right? It's getting hunting weather, um, deer stand season. And so um, I need all of us to get our spiritual hunting rifles out. And we're going to put the scope right on our enemy. And we're going to get ready to pull the trigger. And so the first thought I want to give you today is our enemy has the same playbook. Our enemy has the same playbook. He's always had the same playbook. And what do I mean by that? So let's just look at what he's doing. The enemy, he doesn't just want to change your identity. He wants you to believe that you're something that you're not. He wants you to to start saying stuff like, I'm just anxious, I'm depressed, I'm um, I'll never beat this. He wants you to start speaking that over you. Don't get me wrong. But he also, and, and that's what he did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel in chapter 1. Like they had Hebrew names that God gave them, that their family gave them. But, but uh, Daniel got renamed Belshazzar. And the enemy wants to, he wants to call you by your sin. He wants to call you by all that stuff. He wants to rename you. He wants, you, he wants to call you like, hey, you're just an addict. You're just a drunkard. You're just all this stuff. So that, that's one thing he does. He also wants to change what you're consuming, okay? Our enemy loves to change what we're consuming. He wants to replace um, the Bible with other things, maybe inspirational quotes. He wants to replace your prayer time with maybe ESPN. Oh, you can't say that in sports season. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that um, maybe it's hunting. Maybe it's other things, but... We just got to guard ourselves because the enemy wants to replace what we're consuming. God wants us to consume the word of God. God wants us to to, to spend time in prayer. God wants to spend time with us because he loves us, because he wants to mature us. He wants to develop us. He wants to cultivate us. He wants us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And how God does that is through seasons of trial that, that we go through. James is very clear that I consider trial pure joy. And so God uses the very thing the enemy tries to distract you with, so, but the enemy wants you to be so consumed with what you're consuming that you forget to go to God, that you, don't, that you don't spend time in his word, that you don't really find his heart in a matter. There's a Barnard poll about, I don't know, five, six years ago, but it said the average Christian prays less than two minutes a day, and the average pastor prays less than five minutes a day. And then we wonder, why is anxiety and depression and struggle and marriage is falling apart and all these things going on in the church? Because the enemy is changing what we're consuming. And so, and you can do everything right, and sometimes attacks just happen. Attacks just happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and we were doing everything right. And the enemy has a certain playbook. And the the third thing he likes to do a lot is change what you're worshiping. Well, if he could change what you're saying about yourself, if he could change that, your identity, instead of saying, no, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a son of God. I'm not enough, but my God is enough. His grace is sufficient for me here, for his power is made perfect in weakness. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Like, start declaring the things that God says about me. And, and, but the enemy wants you to say, no, you'll never get over this. You'll always struggle. Your family's a wreck. He wants you to declare that type of stuff. And, and then, then we start doing that, and then suddenly we start consuming a little less of God's word, a little less prayer time. We get busy. We get all this other jazz going on in our life. And suddenly, it's real subtle, too. The enemy doesn't just say, hey, like in, in this case, in Daniel, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's case, it was pretty blatant. But in our lives, it's not so blatant. He's real subtle. But his ultimate goal is to get you to worship something else. And at the end of the day, worship, I think, is really simply defined as what, what you put the affection of your heart on. Where is the affection of your heart? What do you? Where is the throne of your heart? Who's sitting on that? What's sitting on that? Because here's the thing. Satan doesn't have to have Nebuchadnezzar to erect a 90-foot statue that's 9 foot wide anymore. Because we have 4-foot statues that are 5 feet wide in our living rooms. Because we have 4-inch statues in our hand. Because we have all sorts of statues. And the enemy's real subtle with them. But his game plan is always the same. His playbook is always the same. And we need to call him on it. We need to call him on it. And another way, his, his how this works out is he wants to take your options away. You know it's the enemy. You know it's the enemy when he takes away your options. That's why I think what's going on in our nation right now is straight demonic. Because God is all about, I, I want you to understand this. I'm not saying anything political, so... But it is. So, um, but not, not in the sense of like Republican, Democrat or anything like that. In the sense of what's right and what's wrong. And I want you to hear my heart on this. God is all about freedom. It is for freedom Christ set us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want you to, I, when we need to understand this. God bankrupt heaven by sending his son to die in our place on a cross okay, to bear our sin, to raise to life, to give us the option to serve him, to give us the option of having a relation. It wasn't even a sure bet that we would choose Jesus, but just for the chance that we might choose Jesus, God said, I'm going to bankrupt heaven. I'm going to send all the glory, all the power in man form in the person of Jesus Christ. 100% God, 100% man, the only person that could pay the penalty of our sin. God bankrupted heaven to give us the option. It wasn't even a choice because God is all about freedom. God is about freedom. He doesn't force anyone to do anything. He God of all glory stepped into humanity to give you a choice, a free choice to choose salvation. And you know the enemy is at work. I'm just going to call it. When people are manipulated, do this or you're going to lose that. And you can apply that to anything. You could apply it to your job. You could apply it to anything. I'm not against anything. But what I am, what I am, what I'm, I'm against the enemy's work in our nation. And his playbook is the same. Bow before this statue or you will die. Manipulation, take your choices away because the enemy is not about freedom. Freedom is a character trait of God. Freedom is something only God can give. Like, the church, as, as the church, we have got to wake up, and we got to put our spiritual eyes on, and we got to have discernment in this season, because people are so blind. And we say, well, that's just the way it is. No, it's, there's a greater hand. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the enemy. The Satan was the enemy in this story, and he's still our enemy. Why do you think Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they showed respect. They showed respect to the king. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, your majesty... They showed respect to him because they recognized Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the, the enemy. And our government, our, 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 our whatever, your whatever it's not the enemy. We have a real enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy every part of you. He wants to destroy your kids. And we got to call him on it. we got to call him on it. He has the same game plan. He wants to take away your freedom. He wants to take away. He wants to manipulate you to get your, his will done. If you're being manipulated to do something my God is able to deliver me and even if he doesn't we got to wake up we got to we got to be the church now more than ever we got to love people now more than ever and 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 so if our enemy's game plan hasn't changed, how do we combat it? How do we combat it? Because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you ideas of, of how he works. He manipulates. He takes away freedom. He, he wants his will. He'll force his will. God never forces his will on anyone. God doesn't. He allows you to walk in his will, and he walks with you in his will, but he won't force you in it. That's why people are able to walk outside his will. But the enemy, he's not like that. He wants to force it. But we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. So, so how did how does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand up to such injustice in their government? Well, my second thought is this. Our God has the same command. Our enemy, our enemy has the same playbook he always has. He manipulates. He manipulated Eve in the Garden of Eden to, to make a choice that affected all humanity. He manipulates. He takes away freedom. He, he promises stuff that he can't deliver on and all that jazz. But God always promises freedom. God always promises freedom. But God has the same command. Love God and worship him only. It's number one and number two out of his top ten. Exodus 20, 3 and 4. You must not have any other gods but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heavens or on earth or in the sea. Shadrach, Meshach, and a minute ago, what did they do? What did they do? They just said, I'm not worshiping anything else. I used to think that this chapter was about standing up. It's not. This chapter is not about standing up. It's about what we're worshiping. What have we set on the throne of our heart? What's there? That's the question we have to ask all the time because the enemy, he's so subtle. He's learned a lot since 3,000 years ago. And he's so subtle about getting things into our life that we can set. He just kind of eases in there. And God doesn't share his throne. God is a God of grace, though, and mercy. So there's always a chance for repentance with God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just determined it's not disrespect. It's not not submitting to authorities placed over them. It's submitting to the authority that's over the authority over them. When the authority that's placed over you contradicts the authority that's over them, God, because the Bible says all authority comes from God, we have to make a decision. Who do we submit to? We submit to God first. We submit to God. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, I'm going to submit to God because God's had the same command since the beginning love me, worship me only. Jesus echoes this. He's being tempted. Just fall down and worship me. Jesus said in Luke 4.8. So that was Old Testament Exodus. That's Old Testament. That's, um, that's the second book of the Bible, you know? Like, well, what about New Testament? We're under a new law. We're, we're under the, the law of Christ. We're under grace, you know? The, Jesus completely fulfilled the law. So what does Jesus say about it? Well, he says, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's New Testament, and then Mark 12 30, when Jesus is asked, What's the greatest commands? And like, get this, there's not just the Ten Commandments, but there there are hundreds, like 314, I believe. No, 614. 614 mitzvahs. It was a big multiple choice question. And they say, before you answer a multiple choice question. You should read every answer. If I was asked that question 2,000 years ago when I had to read 614 answers, I would still be reading. I would have died reading. Um, But Jesus, without missing a beat, he said, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God hasn't changed his tune. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They understood this. They understood that God's, they, they, they called the enemy on, on his game plan. We're not bowing, even if you manipulate us. We're not going to. And God has God given an issue. How do we combat the enemy? We call him on it. And even if, he does, even, even if God doesn't rescue us from our current situation, our current trial, our current whatever, we got to determine in our hearts, God's going to stay on the throne of my heart. He's going to stay on the throne. He's the one that I'm going to put my affection on. Because that's really what worship is. What do you put affection on? What do you put the affection of your heart on? God is very clear. He doesn't share it. But when we when we love God the way he wants us to, when we worship God the way he He wants us to. It changes the environment. It changes the people around us because Jesus was very clear about this too. Love your neighbor as yourself. They asked for one command. Jesus gave them two because you can't separate. You can't separate the love of God with the love of people. That's why you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they submitted to the authority. They said, okay, we won't bow, but we will submit to death. We will submit to death. And we will respect the authority that God's placed over us by submitting to His decree. We will be put to death because they loved their neighbor. Get this: Nebuchadnezzar was friends with these people. Throughout, if you go read Daniel chapter one and two, like they were in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. When whenever he needed advice, the Bible says in Daniel one, he found them ten times more valuable. And useful than all of his other people. Daniel and the three. And then chapter 2, when they made that stand and they prayed and sought the Lord, God promoted them. And they got to go into the court. they like, these were his friends. And I think that's why, that's why Nebuchadnezzar was so ticked off. Because the people that are closest to you will usually hurt you the worst. And they weren't trying to hurt him. They were saying, I love God more than I love you. And that will hurt some people in your life. And that's okay. Because when they see what God brings you through, they're going to believe. They're going to be like, oh yeah, that was God. And the, the last thought I have with you, the last thought I have with you is our God will be with you. And even if he doesn't, he'll be with you. I find it interesting they made a, such a declaration of faith. He's like, I don't answer to you, Nebuchadnezzar. I don't answer. That's what they said. We don't answer to you, and we're not going to worship. And my God is able to rescue us from anything you throw at us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. They made this declaration of faith, and God was with them. It's kind of interesting, though, that they he, God didn't rescue them Before the furnace. God could have sent an angel down that was more glorious than that gold statue ever could be. And he could have stood and said, they're right, you're wrong, worship me. You know, he could have done that. He could have kept them from going in the fire. But he didn't. I noticed every time that Jesus calmed the storms in the Gospels, I've been reading this a lot, but every time he's calmed the storms, the disciples went through the storm. He, there's not one moment that he calmed the storm before the storm. He could have saw it brewing and said, nah. Smooth sailing from here, guys. No. God waits, usually till we're in it. Every time the disciples saw Jesus calm the storm, which is multiple times throughout the Gospels, They thought they were going to (laughs) die. They thought they were going to drown. Seasoned fishermen that fished that lake their whole life. We're going to die. Don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus, is that you? And he only calmed it after. After they went through it. So often we want God to rescue us out of the storm, out of the furnace, out of everything. But God's saying, I want to get in it with you. I want to walk through it with you. God didn't take them out of the furnace. He walked in the furnace with them. The very thing that you think God, (laughs) that, that the enemy is going to destroy you with, is the very thing that God's going to use to refine you with. So this pressure, this storm, this furnace, know that God's with you. God's with you in it. God's with you in it. I notice that they got thrown. They were bound by the strongest men in the army. Bound them. And the very thing that was supposed to kill them, set them free. The very thing that the enemy put on them was the only thing that burned off of them. Some of us need to grab a hold of that. The enemy's put stuff on you, he put attacks on you, your family. That's what's going to be destroyed through this furnace. That's what's going to be destroyed through this storm. It's not going to be... It's not going to be your clothes. It's not going to be your stuff. It's not going to be any of that. You're going to come out unscathed, but everything the enemy's put on you is going to burn off. They walked around freely in the very thing that was killing the enemy. In their obedience, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's obedience to the word of God set them free from the attack of the enemy, in the attack of the enemy. One of my favorite scriptures, are six verses in Psalms found in the 23rd chapter. It's my favorite, it's my, probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's really saw me through this last year. I quoted it so many times in the midst of grief, in the midst of trial. I like, I quote it when I'm on a hike and I can't take another step. I'm like, "Oh, the Lord is my shepherd." Like, like it, it's, it really, it's amazing. But I think the 23rd Psalm is actually a really beautiful depiction of what's happening here. It says, "The Lord is our shepherd; we shall not want." He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. It's kind of interesting. It says he leads us beside still waters. He leads. And then it says he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Uh huh. So twice, within just a couple verses, it talks about God leading. But then it says something really weird. And you don't really get it unless you read the King James Version. But there's this word, yea. You know where I've heard the word yea? a lot, from my son, my three-year-old son, and my six-year-old, like, hey, we're going to go to the store and get a toy, yay, 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 yay is such a term of excitement, you know, like, hey, guess what, we're going to go hiking, yay, like, they're just so excited about what's good, like, you know, when you talk to them, yay, but what does he follow yay with, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like, wait, what? No, 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 no. Wait, back up. Yay, though he leads me beside. No, that's not how it is. No, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what he starts with. Yay, excitement goes before the valley of the shadow with death. That doesn't make sense. Why is there a yay here? Because it says, He leads me beside still waters, He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Yay, though I walk through the valley. It's in the valley. It's in the furnace. It's in the storm that you see God work the most. Why is it a yay? Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Get this, get this. Why is there a shadow? Have you guys ever really thought about this? The Lord... Leads us in the path of righteousness. And then it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. So the path of righteousness is through the valley of the shadow of death. And the Lord is leading you. And there's a shadow because the Bible says later in Psalms, they who rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, what, what? What? There's something about walking in the shadow of God as he leads us through that valley. It says, I will fear no evil, even if he doesn't I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they come from me I always thought that was interesting why does he have a rod and a staff right that's such a weird thing that's such a weird thing to have for a for a shepherd like when I go hiking I might might carry a walking stick but a rod is for the sheep and a staff. Is for the predators. A rod is for discipline. A, uh, uh, the staff is for protection. And, and the thing is, it's in the valley of the shadow of death that that both the discipline of the Lord and the protection of the Lord, they comfort us. He brings us through it. I, I love this because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They say, even if he doesn't, we will not bow. I'm going to settle in my heart now that I'm going to worship God and him only. I'm not going to let people tell me. I'm not going to be manipulated. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into the enemy's hand. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to stand up for freedom. I'm going to stand up for what God says is good. In the face of injustice, In the face of an an enemy that's not even hiding his hand anymore. He's revealing it. I'm settling in my heart. God will rescue me and even if he does not I'm going to worship him. And what happened? Their bonds were burned off, but their hairs weren't even singed. I singed almost all my hair the other day lighting my barbecue grill. It doesn't take much. If you ever see me with a clean-shaved face, it's because I singed my facial hair. I'm like, why is this not lighting? It doesn't take much to singe hair. Their clothes weren't even burned. The Bible is very clear. They made it a point to say they're fully clothed. They even smell like smoke. Dude, you go camping, your pillow will smell like smoke for three weeks because it's in your hair. I don't care how many times you wash it out. You can't get smoke out of your hair. It just takes forever. But God brought them through unscathed. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they come for me. And then what does he do? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, get out of here. Get out of here. Everyone crowds around. They're amazed. They came out unscathed. And then it says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. They're like, oh, man, That's crazy you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote you. I'm going to give you more authority. They were already over the province of Babylon, but then they got more authority. Let me tell you, when you settle in your heart who you're going to worship when when injustice comes, when you settle in your heart, it doesn't have to be identity crisis in our nation right now. Like, the, the, the world can go into full identity crisis. Man, they don't even know what gender they are. But we... As a church, we can be that rock. The Bible says we can be that city on a hill that people can see, and they can look at us and see Christ. See, Jesus Jesus is very clear that we are known by how we love one another. He didn't say, people will know your disciples, my disciples by what you stand against, by what you're but by, by what you hate, by what, you know, he says, by, by how you love one another. And we could be that to the world because we're going to stand resolute. We're going to say, I'm going to worship God and Him only. I'm going to settle in my heart that no matter what persecution comes my way, I'm going to love the people who are persecuting me. I'm going to pray for their salvation, but I'm going to worship God and Him only. And get this. God is going to wreck their lives and answer our prayers because what did, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He said, your God is the only God. Anyone who badmouths this God is going to get torn limb from limb. God has a way of defending himself. The, the three Hebrew children didn't have to go to battle and defend like let's go debate. Jesus never debated a sinner. He only debated religious people. He loved sinners. He loved people who were far from God. And today, today, they say all revivals start with prayer. I agree. But I think there's a prayer that that, that is a spark that starts that prayer. And it's repentance. Repentance. And I I just want to just give us an opportunity in your own way. If you need to come up here, if you need to bend at your seat, if you need to whatever, as Pastor Andy leads, we're going to take a moment and we're going to repent of the very things that set themselves up on our heart's throne. What are we bowing to? Because right now we, we, we can't afford in our nation to bow to anything else. We can't can't afford to bow to anything else. And then we're going to see God with us when we determine that, even if he doesn't. I'm bowing to Jesus. So whatever that looks like for you, the altars are open, bend at your seat, stand and worship and pray. We got to have a spirit and attitude of repentance. What is repentance? That's a churchy word. Repentance really is simply defined as I agree with God. I come into agreement with God. What does God say? Worship God and him only. Maybe it's just a prayer saying, Lord, what's been on my throne in my heart? What have I set my affections towards other than you? That's a good place to start. Let's see what God does. The altars are open. If you want to stand and worship, you can. If you want to pray, you can.
1: good, good father it's who you are it's who
2: spoke to us today. God, we thank you that you give us a chance for repentance, a chance to come to you, Lord, when we have placed things over you because you are so merciful and full of grace, Lord, your word says that you are full of of grace and mercy and love. And Lord, that you, you gently correct us when we're wrong, but you're there to pick us up and to forgive us, God, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray right now for your church. Lord, the word that was spoken today over us, that people need you, that people are dying without you. God, I pray that you would help us to be your hands and feet this week. Lord, I pray for your church, Lord, that the things that they're going through, Lord, that you you would be with them, Lord, and that you would help them to see and help them to understand and help us to know that you walk with us through that fire, God. And Lord I pray that as you are as we're walking through that fire we will bring people along with us that that may not understand why we're going through it but God but you have a purpose and a reason Lord and I pray that you will bless your church today that you would bless them and help them to encounter people that need you, that need a Savior. And God, I pray that you would bless us today as we we may be going through it. Lord, you are there with us and that you would help us and encourage us, that you you had a word for us today that even though we're going through it, you are there walking through it with us. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are are the God who walks through fiery furnaces with us. And God, I pray right now that you would bless each and every person here, that you would multiply your church and multiply your kingdom this week through each and every person here. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys.